So, the Just Because card's been so powerful this week, and uh, we got another Just Because card day coming up Wednesday, and then we're going to, we had bad weather yesterday for the canvassing the neighborhood, so we're, Jared's going to talk about that. That'll be this coming Saturday. He's going to talk about how you can be involved in that, and uh, man, what a great day it was. Let me just tell you that what Jared and I are going to do this morning in the message is Tom Rayner, Thomas Rayner. I hope you'll look him up on um, the internet, Google Thomas Rayner. He, um, he has been called by God to um, ask the unchurched, why aren't, why aren't you in church? And to ask the church, why don't you, why don't you, um, might want to turn that off. Why don't, <laughs> why don't you invite people to church? And so, so I want you to look him up. I want you to read his stuff. He gives 10 reasons, 10 reasons why people who go to church won't invite people to church or don't invite people to church. And we're going to go through those real quick today, and then we're going to share some scripture with you right at the end of the message today, uh, a little message I want to leave with you. Um, here's what Tom Rayner says, and I want you to get this. He says that 80% of the people who don't go to church would accept an invitation to come if they were asked. 80% of the people. He says, here's where we get convicted. He says 70% of people who go to church never invite anybody to church. So we're going to change that. That culture is going to be different in this church. That might be what the statistics say. That might be what the surveys say. But how many of you know the bridge... We're just going to be an exception to the rule. And we're going to be a church that invites and a church that reaches out. So he gives, he gives a, a bunch of reasons here, and Jared and I just kind of put some of them together a little bit. He's going to talk about the first one. Go, my brother. Tag. The first uh, thing that he mentions that um, the reason why people don't invite other people to church is because uh, they're apathetic. Now, if you're here and you don't know what that word means, it basically means shows a lack of enthusiasm, concern, or interest. In other words, they really just don't have a deep desire or care about sharing Christ with other people or inviting other people to church. Now, I don't know about you, but there's a lot of things I'm apathetic about in my life. In high school, it was pretty much all my classes except PE. Thank you. That's right. Uh, anybody out there just love chemistry? We had one more. Well, we had one last service and two. So we're, we're almost all in the same boat here. I am not, let's see, let me rephrase that. I am not passionate about chemistry or algebra too. I was not very good at it. But I had a teacher who attends the bridge who was one of my biology teachers, Miss Franks, and she was the most enthusiastic, most caring, most passionate person you've ever met in your life about biology. She would teach us cheers. This is the only time I ever cheerleaded was in biology, okay? And we cheerleaded about algae, of all things. And some of you who took her class, maybe growing up, you remember, and we had the little things that we did, and I can still quote some of it. I may need a refresher from her. But she used to, uh, she would get on the desks, and she was just all about biology. She was so passionate, and that fueled and helped us, even though I didn't really care about biology, made us even somewhat excited, excited as you could possibly be about plants and algae. 
she could take us to that level. And that's what we're called to be as Christians, is not be apathetic, but be concerned with the lost, to be concerned with the unchurched, to be concerned and reach out to those who don't know Christ. I think about the, the scripture, Timothy 4.14, that says, do not neglect the spiritual gift within you. And all of us have some type of spiritual gift Maybe you hadn't quite found it yet, or maybe you have, whether you have the gift of teaching, you may have the gift of praying, the gift of encouragement. We don't know what that is, but here's the thing. All of us are called to reach out and witness to those around us. We can't go, I didn't get that one. Jesus didn't go, hey, um, in the Great Commission, all of you and you and you go and everybody else don't go and make disciples among all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And surely I will be with you until the end of the age. He didn't say just a couple of you go. He commissioned every one of us to go, to be passionate. And so we can't as a church become apathetic and lose our concern. If we do, in effect, here's what we're saying. God, I know you're the absolute ruler of all. And God, I know you sent your son Jesus to die a painful death for me. And I understand that you made a choice and that I should be enthusiastic about it. But Jesus, you know, even though you went through the trouble, I realized that you died. You know, it's, that's not really a, a big importance or priority for me. All of us have been commissioned to that. And, and some of the reason that we don't do that. Some reasons that we are apathetic is, could be related to just spiritual laziness. It could be that we need to be more disciplined. Now, I have some friends of mine who attend church here who get up at like four and five in the morning to go running every day almost. Now, I don't know why anybody would want to go, get up before the sun comes up. I mean, I just don't, I don't get that. But you do because you're disciplined. I run for like two minutes and I'm like, golly, man, this is crazy. Why would I even do this? And you get on a treadmill and you can't, you're not even going anywhere. You're just in the same place, you know. It's like I'm, I started 10 minutes ago and I hadn't moved. But that's not something I'm good at. Some of you may like love to run. We have a guy here who runs in marathons. He runs in races and he runs from his house to the race. He didn't even drive in his car. That's crazy. But he's disciplined and he's passionate about it. And if we are passionate about what Jesus has called us to, then we will make ourselves disciplined. We will make it a concern. We will uh, become enthusiastic because that's what Jesus was about. And so we can't be that way. And so I hope and I pray and we all do is that we would understand that for us, to reach the lost, for us to reach the unchurched, for us to reach the people that needed to hear about Jesus Christ, that we make it a passion. That was his passion. That was Christ's concern and his passion. And we want to be like him. Amen? Amen. And so we can't be apathetic. Tag. Apathy. Apathy. Thank you. Yeah, tag. it is tag team. Uh, you know, we're in the South. Everybody knows Rassling. what wrestling is. So... Um, so, you know, I, I think one of the things uh, about apathy is we're just, uh, can I just be blunt? We're so self-centered. I mean, I am. I am. To, to, to share something with somebody, I have to go against my nature. Our nature is towards self. And so a lot of times our apathy comes out of that. 
so what we have to do is stay near to God in prayer because the Holy Spirit wars against that, that uh, part of us that doesn't want to share. Um, the second thing that he brings out about why people don't want to share like a, a just because card or a door hanger or, or just to even talk about church or God to anybody is because of secular beliefs that have crept into the church. Here, back in the day, we called it worldliness. As a matter of fact, that's what the Bible calls it. Worldly mindsets, worldly, worldly systems get into the church. Here's what the world is saying to us today. And the reason I know is because I live in the same world you guys live in, and I know what they're saying. Here's what they're saying. They're saying, um, who are we to say that Jesus is the only way? I mean, you know, all roads lead to God. All roads lead to God. So why do we need to get people to the bridge? Or why, need, why do we need to get people to a Christ-centered church or a Bible-centered church? Now, when you hear that enough, you think to say anything else means that you're not being politically correct. And I'm going to tell you something. Political correctness creeping into the church is going to cause a lot of people to go out of this world without Jesus Christ in their heart. Can I tell you that all roads don't lead to God? All roads don't lead to God. All roads don't lead to heaven. All roads don't lead to forgiveness of sin. Um, you know, that philosophy don't work even in the world. You can, drive on, you can drive on Interstate 40 all the way from Wilmington to, uh, where is it, San Diego or somewhere on the West Coast. You can ride that road all you want to. You'll never get to Florida because all roads don't lead to Florida just like all roads don't lead to Jesus. All roads don't lead to heaven. But that creeps into the church, that thinking and, and we might not believe it, but we, don't, we really get uncomfortable when the pastor says Jesus is the only way. So we can't let that mindset creep in to our church that, that there are many ways to God. Another secular belief is, is uh, and I'm going to just be straight up here, and that is a, a, a growing disbelief in hell. There is a growing disbelief in hell. Jesus had more to say about hell than any teacher in the Bible, any prophet, anybody else. He talked about it more than anybody else in the Bible. Now, you might be here today, and we know that people we, who, who come to our church are at different places in their journey with God. They're at different places. And you might be sitting here, and for me to tell you that our church believes that hell is real and people really do go there, that that might be against your, uh, you know, it's going against your grain. You, you're kind of offended by that because, you know, what kind of God? You know all the questions. I did a series a couple years ago called Hell, the Forgotten Truth. So I would encourage you to go back into our archives on our website and listen to that series. Look up all the scriptures. Don't call me or send me an email today and say, I can't believe this church believes in something so horrible and blah, blah, blah. Go and listen to that series because if you call me or you send me an email, I'm going to send you a link to that series because I do all the scripture in there. But the world today doesn't want to believe in that. The world today doesn't want to accept that truth. And I'm telling you, here's the point. It's creeping into the church. 
When you believe that hell is real, you want to get the good news to people. When you believe that hell is real, you want to get the good news to your family. You want to get the gospel to your family. You want to get the gospel to your friends. But if you can talk yourself into the fact that, you know, I don't think that's true. That's just ridiculous. That's foolishness. And you start buying into what the world is saying, then you won't win people to Christ. You, won't, you don't want to use a just because card. It's no big deal. You don't want to invite somebody to church. You don't want to put a door hanger because it doesn't really matter. I mean, you know, everybody's got their own belief. I, I love people who come up to me and say, man, I just got my own beliefs about this or I got my own beliefs about that. Is that supposed to be like holy that you got your own? But it doesn't matter what your beliefs are. It's the Bible. It's the Word of God. It's what did Jesus say? I mean, you can believe. You know that policeman pulled that young lady over, and I'm getting some honey buns in my car today. But that policeman pulled that, pulled that uh, young lady over. What if she had said, you know, I appreciate, your, I appreciate what you're saying, but I kind of got my own way of looking at how I drive. He'd go, I don't care what, what, how you look at You see what I'm saying? God has been clear in his word. The other thing is a desire to be tolerant. We think if we tell people you need Jesus that we're being intolerant. And, and the world is all about today, you know, we just got to accept. You just got to accept this. Everybody accept everybody. You don't have any business telling anybody about God. You know, if they are going to find God, you just let them find God. That's not what my Bible says. That's not what the Scripture says. That's not all God uh, told me to do. I, I got to tell you something about tolerance. Tolerance, the way the world defines it, is going to cause a lot of people to leave this world without Jesus in their heart. This liberal view of tolerance. Now, tolerance in the sense of we welcome any and everybody into our church and you can belong here even before you believe. I believe in that kind of tolerance. But I don't believe in a tolerance that says your way is just as good as the Bible. Listen, man, we're a Bible church. God was clear. And so worldly mindsets keep people from wanting to invite people to church. Absolutely. The third thing is um, busyness. I don't know about you, but it seems like our lives just get busier and busier. And I, I wanted just to do something to kind of approve a point uh, with my phone here. I'm hungry. Wait, wait for it. I found 12 restaurants. Nine of them are fairly close to you. Set an, set an appointment tomorrow with Pastor Farrell. I don't see Pastor Farrell in your contact. <laughs> Pastor Fail. Pastor Fail. I did not put that in there. It was miscommunication. But that was funny. He knew um. that was going to do that. <laughs> I really he didn't knew know. it. <laughs> How long have you been working here not counting tomorrow? <laughs> I'm going to Walmart with Andrew. <laughs> Pastor fail. That's just. It's the southern slang. <laughs> we did not plan that, I promise you. Um, okay, so back to the point. Uh, you know, 
We live in a society and a culture that has changed so much in the last few years that we need personal assistance on our phone. We don't even have the time to sit down on our little calendar and write down our dates that we have to be riding down the road, you know, to book our appointments because our lives are so busy. I mean, your kids, they're involved in sports and, and at school and they're in dance and you're in church and you're serving. And there's just so many things that are just taking our attention that we get so busy that we don't think about it and that's and that's wrong for us to to become that way that we get so busy that we just go you know what man I really don't have time because when you invite and you invest in somebody I mean anytime you invest in something it takes time to build that reputation to build that rapport with someone and so for us to go you know what it's just too busy. I don't don't have the time. You know, we can't be like that. Think about Jesus and what he modeled as he walked. He would just stop. He would just stop. And I love what Andy Stanley, he was talking about in the message about the man who wanted to be healed and he was at the pool. And he said, you know, Jesus didn't, he couldn't heal everybody. I mean, he could, but he didn't. He said, think about that story where there's all these people that are laying by the pool that want to be healed. And there's this man and they're all laying there and he's going, let me get over this guy and then get this guy. So, sorry, I didn't want to touch you. And he goes, you want to be healed? All right, come on. And let me step back over. And he just steps over these people. And he talks about how, you know, he didn't touch every single person, but he made it intentional to reach out to certain individuals. And that's what we need to be. That's what we need to be called to do. Our schedules are so crazy, so busy, but you take and you seize those opportunities at work. I think about one of the comedians, Brian Regan, he was talking about, how, you know, it's just so funny how you put uh, instructions on, on food products. He, and he's like, have you ever read the instructions of a Pop-Tart? I mean, you would think they could just do it in one step. Like, you know, put the Pop-Tart in the, you know, the toaster. But it's like, okay, step one, open the Pop-Tart. He's like, I see where we're going with this. Step two, put the Pop-Tart in the toaster vertical. He's like, whoa, 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 slow down, you know, getting a little complicated. And then he's like, but you know, there's separate instructions. If you don't have time to toast your Pop-Tart, you can put it in the microwave. He said, if you're getting out of bed and you ain't got time to toast your Pop-Tart and you're using the microwave, you need to change your schedule because you're too busy. But think about it. Isn't that true? I mean, we go to a drive-thru and it takes longer than three minutes and we're like, good gracious, this is taking forever. This is, this is crazy. I mean, it takes three minutes to cook a hamburger? No, they've been sitting in the warmer all day long. I promise you. That's why it's so fast. It's good quality cooking. But Jesus talks about that. He talks about business. I love the story of Jesus and Mary and Martha and how Jesus goes to their house. And it says in Luke 10, you can look it up and read the story, but I'm just going to read just a couple of verses there. And verse 38 says, Jesus and his disciples were on the way and he came to this village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. And you just get this picture of Jesus there and Martha and Mary are at the house, but uh, Mary is is sitting there and she's at Jesus' feet just soaking up everything he's saying. And it says, Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. I mean, she's, you know, I could just see her being the woman, got to have this right, got to have this right, got to be clean. You know, Jesus is here. And she gets upset and she came and said, Lord, don't you care my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. I mean, she tells Jesus, tell her to help me, get, tell her to get up and come and help me. But she's just sitting there. And then he says to Martha, he says, Martha, Martha, I feel like it's the Brady Bunch. 
Martha, Martha, Martha. The Lord answered. I just noticed that. You are worried and upset about, that was Marsha, wasn't it? (laughs) I did not watch the Brady Bunch. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what's better. And that's to be at my feet and to be with me and it will not be taken away from her. You know, I think we miss opportunities all the time. God ordains and orchestrates our lives sometimes for us. Strategic, and we've talked about this over the last few weeks, strategic people are putting our lives for us to reach out and witness to, to be an example. And if we don't want to miss it, we need to stop being so busy and be like Jesus and, and say, Lord, you know, lead, as we get up in the morning, pray, God, lead me to the right people today. Don't let me get so busy. Look, where there, you know, I could just see a person coming up going, hey, man, don't you go to that church? Hey, don't y'all have this thing coming up this week, you know, where y'all doing this thing? And you're like, yeah. And uh, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to release the details. Some of you know, but we're working on something that's going to be really, really big. Uh, and the possibility of May or June that's going to be so strategic to reach out to the people who would not normally come here. So we want you to stay tuned for that. But we need to go around with those eyes like that and say, you know, God, who do you want me to, to reach out to today? Don't let me be so busy that I miss that opportunity. Busyness. Too busy to do God's will. Um, too busy doing things that have nothing to do with eternity to do things that are all about eternity. You know, I mean, really, should most of our time be spent or at least a, a lot of our time be intentionally spent doing things that are going to affect people eternally? Rather than, but, but we're opposite, aren't we? We spend so much time involved in things that are going to be gone one day and we're never going to see them again, never going to be, but we spend most of our time, most of our focus there. God's asking us to look at the eternal. Uh, the other thing that he talks about is fear of rejection. And maybe you're afraid, you know, that if you use a just because card or you hang a, a, a door hanger on a doorknob or you hand somebody an invitation that they're going to go, uh, you know, maybe you hang the doorknob thing and the guy comes to the door and goes, hey, what are you doing? And you go, hey, man, I'm from the bridge. Uh, we're a church near here, and we're going to have a big sermon series in, uh, in March called One Month to Live, and I just wanted to invite you to come to the sermon series. Well, I don't, I don't care about stuff like that. Man, you, you ought not to be coming, you know, and you just get to all this rejection. Now, here's what I think. I think that's going to be very, very, very rare. As a matter of fact, I don't know if we'll get any report of that. We might get one or two reports of something like that. But the enemy will make you think every other house is going to be like that and that you're going to get rejected. But, but, but let's, say the, let's say the worst case scenario does happen. You go up to the door to hang the door hanger on the doorknob and the, and the guy does what I just described. And you say, I'm sorry I bothered you, sir. I'm so sorry. And then you just take the door hanger and walk away. Do you know that for just a little tiny bit right there when that happened, it didn't feel good. It was, it was uh, very uncomfortable. You didn't like it. Do you know that that little moment of rejection right there caused you to have a little tiny taste of the rejection Jesus felt when he was dying for us, when he was preaching, when he was being example to us in the world? 
So if you do get rejected out there, I mean, somebody may give you your just because card back and go, I don't want your $5. I'm, so, you know, I'm tired of a church. I'm tired of churches trying to always push stuff up in my face. You might get that. We haven't had a report of that yet, but that might happen. But when that happens, I want you to just say, thank you, God. Thank you for such an honor that I would be rejected for the exact same thing you were rejected for. As a matter of fact, if the guy keeps yelling at you, keep going, thank you, brother. Thank you, my man. Bring it. Give me some more. Because I want to be just like Jesus. He will start freaking out then. (laughs) But guys, don't be afraid of, don't, don't fear awkwardness. That's why we made the tools we did. That's why we made these little tools for you guys. How easy would it be to go in your doctor's office and while you're waiting there, you just leave an invitation card, just leave it up there with the magazines. And somebody will come in and pick that up and read it. Uh, I mean, how, how many people... I, you know one of the things I loved were the people that took the little baggies and dropped four quarters in the baggie and put the Just Because card in and then stuck it on a vending machine. I've never been rejected by a vending machine. Never. (laughs) I've had them take my money, and I have felt like I heard them laughing. But but I've never been, you know, so there are ways to do this, guys, where, where, you know, you're not going to face that awkwardness. But, But it could be awkward. There could be some anger. You could get laughed at or mocked. Just thank God that you receive that for the same reason Jesus did. That's right. I love what it says about, you know, we should rejoice when, we're, when we are um, persecuted for the cause of Christ because that means that we are getting to be like Jesus and we get to experience that exactly like he said. The fifth thing is this, um, be an inward focus versus being an outward focused church. Uh, if you are here and you're new, and uh, we encourage you, we would love for you to stick around a couple of weeks, and especially for our next series um, that begins next week. But I believe you'll find one thing, and those of you can agree with me that have been here for a while, and that's this, that our church is not an inward-focused church. We are very outward-focused when it comes to, to reaching out. I mean, we give, you would not even believe how much we give to the needy through our Bread of Life ministry, how much we reach out in our prisons. I mean, we're in so many prisons. The soup kitchen, is, it seems like it's going on almost every week that we're out there serving. We're on the Kentucky Missions Train. I mean, there's so many things that our church is doing to be intentional because the tendency is for us to be inward-focused because it's about us. And that's what the world tells us, that it's about us. You need to watch out for yourself. You need to take care of yourself when it comes to your life because you are the most important thing. But that is the opposite of what Jesus modeled for us and spoke to us. Matthew 20 verse 28 says this, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus modeled this for us. And if he modeled this for us, I guess we have to ask the question is, if we go, you know what, I don't really want to do that, then are we greater than him? Are we greater than Jesus? I mean, think about how uncomfortable it made the disciples. When Jesus got down to wash their feet, they're like, wait, 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 I don't like that picture of you. You're supposed to be the king. You're the Messiah. You're going to set up and be the ruler. And, And he goes, look, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. 
And so that is our model. And I think about this week and, and some of the stories that's come through on the Just Because card. And I think about the one where the, the parents said, you know, my kids said, Mom, can we do this every day? Think about what we're doing Parents, what you're saying to your kids, what you're modeling for your children is this, that other people are the priority, that it's not just about you. And think about how that's going to transfer into their life as they get older. And they've seen you install them, instill them values in them. They're going to go, you know what, my mom and dad, they did this and I'm going to do this. And it's just carrying it from the next generation. But the tendency is for people to push towards themselves. I, I think about churches that I've attended and I've been to a lot of churches I, I went to we call it the Mecca of, of the Church of God in Cleveland Tennessee um, I went to school there and there's so many it's like Goldsboro actually there's so many churches it's like every corner you go to there's churches and, and a lot of those churches started because the church couldn't agree on what color the carpet needed to be and so they split they have a business meeting and then they didn't like it and half of them go well you know what I don't like that color of the carpet so I'm gonna go start my own church or they fighting over the color of the wallpaper or the curtains we have a, a friend of ours who came to our house the other day and I said how, how are you guys doing this and they were just kind of shaking their head laughing they said we just got done from a church business meeting and we said what in the world they said yeah they were trying we we're building this new worship auditorium and uh, they're trying to decide whether pews or chairs now I'm not saying that either one of them are wrong uh, I'm just here to say, you know, you, you try to find out what, uh, what works and what, you know, the church wants and so forth. I mean, we used to have pews. We've gone to chairs, obviously. But they were fighting over pews versus chairs. And they said that people were getting up using scriptures that, that said this is what, it was about a pew when Jesus wrote that. Because apparently Jesus, they had pews where he was at. And so he said one side of the congregation was for pews. The other side was for church, for chairs. And I'll ne this is, I, I, I wish I was making this up. So Said one lady who stood up and said, you know what? Uh, she didn't realize what she was saying when she said this, but she said, you know, if you're, if you're one of them little skinny girls like this girl over here, I mean, you can sit in a chair. But if you're big like Earl over there, he can't be sitting in no chair. He needs a pew. <laughs> and she said somebody on the other side stood up and said, do you know the chairs linked together like pews, right? They don't have arms on them. But that's, I mean, the mindset of so many places is, you know, it's about us. And Jesus is like, and, if, and Pastor Phil pushed this last week. If you have not read Deep and Wide, it is an eye-opening experience. It was even for me to see the word for what church was and what it meant. It was a movement. It wasn't about just the building. So I encourage you to go read that. But we want our church to be outward focused. And if we're going to reach more people for Jesus, we have to take on that mindset. I have to get up every day and go, it's not about me. It's about other people. And that's what we want to be. You know, that whole thing about it being other people and it not being about you. I've preached this so many times. When you make it about other people, guess who gets blessed? You. You get blessed. How, how many times have we said, if God knows he can get it through you, he'll get it to you. But if he knows when he blesses you, you're just going to hoard it for yourself. God's going to go, why should I bless that guy? He's not going to do anything with it. Why should I bless that gal? She's not going to do anything with it. But when he knows you're going to let it just flow right out of your life into the lives of others, he's going to pour in more than you can give away.
That's a principle of Scripture. The last thing that I want to mention that people don't, the reason they don't invite is because they don't trust their church. They don't know how people that they invite will be treated when they get there. They, they know that when they invite somebody and that person comes with them, they're going to walk in the front door and get the skunk eye. Y'all know what the skunk eye is? You know, it's that Holy Spirit-filled man of God who goes, who are they? They've never been to our church before. And, and they know that, that they can't count on the people being friendly because it's never talked about at the church. There's no training. It's not a core value of the church to be warm and friendly to everybody who walks in the door. Listen, there are people visiting with us today for the very first time who aren't going to stay with us because they don't particularly care for our style. But you know what? When they walk in the door, we're going to love them every single time. i got to tell you something. Amen. I've had people come through the door who I thought, they ain't going to stay. <laughs> you know, I could just tell that they were, I, or I just, I prejudged, you know, that they just really aren't going to like our music. They're not going to like, uh, you know, our, our church the way we do things. They're still here and they love it, love it, love it. So you never know about that. So when you walk in, but, but the reason a lot of people don't invite is because they don't ever know what's going to happen in a worship service in their church. They don't ever know what's going to happen in the hallways. It's just totally unpredictable. And they know and they understand, but they wouldn't dare expose one of their friends to it. But I think what we've done here at the bridge is created an environment where when you bring your friends and your guests, they may say a, see a different style of worship, I mean, they may see a video that has toilet paper as an example in it, <laughs> but, but it says to them, we're regular people here, and we got a sense of humor. And not only do we know how to laugh, we know how to laugh at ourselves. And, and I think people, when they come in, they don't feel like you're judging them. You know, when the pastor and the pastoral team stands up and go, I struggle with this. I struggle with this thing I'm preaching to you about. I struggle with it. Can I tell you guys that I struggle with the just because cards? I can't tell you how many times I've done something and went, man, I could use the just because card right there. But I wasn't thinking about that. So I struggle with remembering. I struggle with the same things you guys do. So, so predictability, you can know that when you bring your guests here, we're going to treat them with love and kindness. And uh, we got to get better at that. I want to just preach on that a little bit. Uh, we got to get better at that. Don't just come in the sanctuary and sit down, but just look around. If you see somebody, if you see a couple come in and sit down, I love what somebody told me between services. They said, here's what I say to people. Because sometimes you'll walk up to somebody and go, hey, man, welcome to the bridge. And they'll go, well, thank you. I've been coming 30 years, you know. Um, <laughs> and that's kind of awkward. So here's, here's what you say to people. You just walk up to them and go, I'm not sure I've met you yet. I don't know if I've met you yet. And, and so that just kind of opens the door up, no matter how long they've been coming, for you guys to get connected. I got to tell you, I've been up to people before and go, I'm Pastor Farrell, and I'm not sure if y'all have been coming. Have y'all been coming? And then they'll go, yeah, we've been coming a while. And, and then it's like we get to connect then, and, we, and I get to make a deeper connection with them so that I'm able to remember them um, uh, in a better way. So what we want to do is just create that environment 
where you're not afraid to invite your friends. And, and we believe, we feel like we've done that. And we're, we're open to feedback. Feedback is the breakfast of champions. So we're open to feedback. Be nice when you do it, but be honest when you do it. Okay? All right? Uh, Pastor Jared, I'm going to let you come back and talk about uh, the next thing everybody's going to see. Um, so just want to let you know that next Wednesday will be our last Just Because Car Day emphasis. So we're asking every person to use two. You don't have to use them on Wednesday. You can use them on Tuesday. But we're just scheduled that day as a big uh, push for our church. And then next Saturday will be our Canvas in the Neighborhoods where we're going out as small groups and people have formed their own groups to just distribute these door hangers. We already had the streets picked out. There's the maps. We've got the door hangers. All we need is able-bodied people just to go and do that. And it's probably take, you know, maybe an hour or two. You'll get some good community time, fellowship. Go grab some lunch or go grab coffee before, however you want to do it. Uh, if you want to be a part of it, you're not in a small group. All you need to do is send us an email to info at bridgechurch.cc and we will hook you up with the right people and put you in the right, you know, let you know all the details and stuff like that. Um, so that's big. And then, you know, be on the lookout. We have a website, one month, the number two, and live, one month to live.com. You can go there and read more information about the series that's coming up starting next Sunday. There's a place for um, you to go on there and see some of the videos that talk about the, the, uh, the kind of, series that we're doing. It gives you some information about what to expect. There's also a place on there, and this is for some of you that may fall into this, um, this boat, is if you maybe had a tragic experience, maybe you were um, involved in an accident, maybe it was an illness, but for whatever reason, um, you know, God brought you through that. You just, it, it was not very hopeful. Maybe you were told that, you know, you weren't going to live or you almost died, but you're here. Uh, we want to hear from you. There's a place on there to click on, and you can uh, fill out a form as testimonials, and you can just fill out, and we want to contact you. I'm going to also put one more plug in there I didn't, for something I didn't do last service. Uh, we're doing a, a big cardboard testimony um, the third weekend in March, I believe, um, or it's March 10th. I need to check my calendar. But here's what we need. We need those of you who have had just a radical transformation. Maybe uh, you used to be uh, an addict to something, and God has brought you through that. Maybe, you know, your marriage was um, just in shambles, but God restored it. Uh, if you've never seen what cardboard testimonies are, they're so powerful. And we're going to fill this stage up with people, and we're looking for a few more people uh, to be involved in that. So I'm going to give you my personal email address. It's jared at bridgechurch.cc, J-A-R-E-D like the subway guy, ladies like the jewelry store. If you want to get in touch with me, uh, jared at bridgechurch.cc, and we would love to put you and be a part of that. So we have a video clip that we want to show you of um, some people over the last two weeks. We've got some personal testimonies from people in our congregation who are here because some of you invited them, and we want you to take a look. So check out the screen. My name is Jennifer Bear. My family and I have been coming to the bridge for about a year and a half, and we came because Lauren Vick invited us. Hi, I'm Dana Britt, and my husband Jason and I have been attending the bridge church for 10 years, and we're here because Brandon Turnage invited us. Hey, I'm Ryan. And I'm April. We've been coming to the bridge for three years. Because we were invited by Jason, too. Hi, my name's Chris Stanley. My family and I have been attending the bridge for the past 15 months. Uh, I serve on the worship team. My wife serves in Kids Church. Uh, the reason why we're here is we were invited by Ray Fair and his family. Hi, I'm Jamie Luckman. And I'm Kurt Luckman. And we've been coming to the bridge here for about five and a half years. And the reason we came is because we were invited by Catherine Stafford. 
Hi, my name is Emmy Havering, and my family and I have been attending the bridge now for 17 years. It was actually called Whitley Church when we first started coming. We were invited by our neighbors, Tammy Syverson. I still remember the day that um, we came to Whitley for the first time. Tammy marched us right up to the front of the church. Um, we really didn't understand everything that was going on. People had their hands lifted in worship, things like that. I was unchurched. My husband grew up Lutheran. So we took the visitor's packet home with us. We were actually on our way to the zoo, and we went to the hotel and got out the Gideon Bible and began to read the visitor's packet and saw that everything lined up with what was in the Bible. Um, somehow I always knew that the Bible was the truth, although I had rarely attended church. Um, we now have four children that attend church here as well. Gage is 21, and he's one of the worship leaders. Abby's 17, and she's also one of the worship leaders. Um, Olivia is 10, and Natalie is 7, and we have a foster daughter as well. Her name is Chandler. I just want to encourage everybody to invite somebody to church because you never know how it will change somebody's life forever. Look at Acts 2.47 for me. It says, right after the church was born in the book of Acts, when the Holy Spirit came down in the upper room and the people were filled with the Holy Spirit and the church was born. The church was born. Prior to that, there had been this temple system and in the Old Testament, this tabernacle system. The church was born in Acts chapter 2. Look what it says. The new disciples... Praised God. We're, I love doing that, don't you? We're pretty good at that around here. Praise God and, and they enjoyed, that is the new disciples enjoyed, the Christians, the new church enjoyed the goodwill of all the people of the city. That's what we want to be known as. We do not want to be known as a church that is over here that's some big secret, and we don't want a bunch of worldly people up in here messing up our holiness. We don't want that. We don't want that. Our church is a hospital. It is a hospital for broken people. Can I tell you something right now? We're all messed up a little bit. We're all messed up. And if you go, I'm not messed up, that's how you're messed up, pride right there pride. So you're messed up too. We're all messed up. We're all messed up. I'm not as messed up as the rest of y'all, but we're all a little bit messed up. This is a place for messed up people. We're going to be a church that doesn't run from messed up people. We're going to be a church that runs toward messed up people. We want to help them. We want them to meet the Jesus we know who helps us get through our messes. Now, Jesus talked about invitation, and you know, I, I just think about if our church, if we're going to be known for something, you say, oh, we're known for stuff. <laughs> you know, pastor, I hear my friends, and I've heard criticism of our church, and I, I get that. But if I want to be known for something, here's the best compliment. Here's the best compliment ever paid to this church, and they meant it to be a slam against us. They said with their pharisaical, pious, holier-than-thou 
countenance and their pharisaical voice. Why don't you go to the bridge? They'll take anybody over there. Yes! Yes! Sister Sourpuss, you are right. We will, because if they didn't, I couldn't be here. If you didn't take anybody, I couldn't be here. We do welcome anybody. We welcome everybody. We want you to come. We want you to be a part of our church. And you know what? We don't expect you to believe everything we say before we love you. We will love you and welcome you. We will even let you be involved in some things here while you're trying to figure out this whole Jesus thing. Now, we're not going to put you up teaching the Bible. We're not going to put you in a position like that. But you know what? We're not going to tell an unbeliever, hey, hey, dude, hey, dudette, you stand over there, and when you get it all together, then you can join the rest of us holy, holy people. We're not going to do that. You say, well, man, all churches I've been to, man, they got rules to you do this and you do this and you do this. And we have standards as well. And the Bible lays those standards out. But there are things that a person can do. How many of y'all think it's all right for a person who's trying to figure out who God is to hand a hot dog to a hungry man? You think that's okay? You think we can let a person who's trying to figure out who Jesus is hand a hot dog to a hungry man? Absolutely, absolutely. You say, I don't believe that. I think he ought to be saved before he can give that guy a hot dog. Well, there are probably going to be church opportunities for you somewhere else. Amen? Amen, because that's who we are, man. That's who we are. And uh, you, can be, you can belong before you believe. Uh, in Wayne and Johnston County, there's tens of thousands of people who need Jesus Christ, and all they're waiting for is for somebody to ask them, come to my church, come to my church. Now, this, you don't want to say, come to my church, we'll take anybody. Don't, don't say that, because <laughs> that doesn't sound right, does it? That's what my pastor said, you know. Um, you know, you got relatives who need Jesus, you got friends, you got coworkers, you got people you go to school with that need Jesus. And my wife and I used to travel the country when I was a full-time evangelist. We traveled the country singing and preaching. She would sing, obviously, and I would do the preaching. And she had a song that was very, very requested when we were traveling. You're the only Jesus some people know. You're the only Jesus, and you're the only Jesus some people know. And you say, well, I'm not Jesus. Pastor, are you preaching weird? Je no, of course not. But to that seeker, to that unchurched person, they, they don't even know. They don't even know how to approach Jesus or talk to Jesus or connect with Jesus. Eventually, we'll, we'll lead them there, and they'll make a life transformation. But right now, right now, you could be the only link a person has to Jesus. Don't drop the ball. Don't fumble the ball, man. Don't let this slide by you. You're the only Jesus right now. Some people know. 
let's make sure that we make that connection. Take, you know, like Andrew took Peter, Simon Peter, and said, I, I want to get you and Jesus together. Andrew couldn't save him. You can't save anybody. I got an email from a new Christian not long ago, and it said, Pastor Farrell, thank you for saving me last Sunday. I went, sweetheart, I didn't save you. I led you to the Savior. I led you to the one who saved you. She didn't know all the terminology. Let me, get, let me tell you what happened after early service today. After early service, I'm walking off back here because I want to go around and say hello to everybody. And a young man and a girl came right up on the stage and yelled my name. And I turned around. And he said, Pastor Farrell, this is my girlfriend. And she's here for the first time today. And she wants to know Jesus. I said, baby, you ready for Jesus? She said, yeah. And right there, between, right there in that little hallway, right there, she said, Jesus, come in my life. And save me from my sins. Can we give God a praise for that right there? I mean, when you got him getting saved back there, I don't know what's happening up here. Good stuff, good stuff. Let's go through some scripture real quick, real quick. I'm not going to spend time here. A man once hosted a huge banquet. That's what we do every Sunday is we host a banquet here of food, spiritual food. Some honey buns, but spiritual food. Amen? So a man once hosted a huge banquet and invited many guests. When the time came, he sent his servant, that's us, to tell the guest who had agreed to come, we're ready, come now. But then every single guest began to make excuses. And one said, I'm sorry, I just bought some land and I need to go uh, see it. Please excuse me. Another said, so sorry, I just bought five pairs of oxen and I need to go check them out. Please excuse me. And another one said, I just got married. Now, he's really the only one that had a pretty good excuse. <laughs> I just got married, so I can't come. The Bible says that the servant returned and reported their responses to the master. And the master was angry and told the servant, go, go out. How? Quickly. We go, you know what? We don't have much time. We don't have much time, guys. How many of y'all believe we don't have much time? We don't have much time to do what we're supposed to do. Go out quickly to the streets and the alleys around town and bring the poor and bring the amputees and bring the blind and bring the crippled. The servant came back again. Sir, I've done as you said but there's still more room. They've come, but there's still more room. And the host said, well then, go out to the highways and hedges and bring in the complete strangers you find there until my house is completely full. One thing is for sure, not one single person on the original guest list shall enjoy this banquet. So God says, you know what? If you're good to, to the down and out, you know what I believe about that? I believe that if we treat the poor 
If we treat the broken, if we treat the addict, if we treat the prostitute, if we treat that person who's just wrecked their life and ruined their life, and maybe they walk in here and they don't even smell like they've had a bath in days. How we treat them will determine whether God will ever send us equipped people who can help us do the ministry. See, you can't look at people when they walk in and go, mm, I don't think they're going to fit here. Because when you do that, God's going to look at how you treated that person and God's going to say, well, that's your heart, so I'm not going to send you trained, equipped, spiritually mature people who can help you grow your church and reach out and become more effective as a church. So we're to, we're to reach out to all people. I'm going to give you three things real quick. Don't get, don't get up and leave. Number one, Jesus emphasized that each of us is to play a part in bringing people to God. That's the first thing he emphasized in this. Number two, Jesus showed in this teaching that our life experience can help us be effective. How many times have I told you, it doesn't matter what you've been through, doesn't matter what you're guilty of having done in your past, doesn't matter how bad, how low, how rotten things were in your past, what you were put through, God will use it to help other people. Because you need to know God doesn't waste a bad experience. You say, yeah, but my bad experience was my fault. God doesn't waste a bad experience no matter whose fault it is. God will take your bad experience that you had in your life, even if you brought it on yourself, and if you will give your life to him, he will use that for you to look people in the eye and say, I used to do what you're doing. Because, see, they see you transformed. They see you free. They see you joyful, and they see hope. Well, if you did that and now you're the person you are, then I do have hope. You see what I'm saying? And so that's what we do. And the third thing this shows me, this scripture that uh, I just read, is that Jesus illustrates that to reach the unchurched, we got to drop the excuses, man. We got to drop the excuses that keep us from making God's work priority in our life. Priority in our life. Can we all stand together? And guys, will you just walk up here and let me pray for you? Everybody who will, just walk up. Can we just end in the altar today? And I'm going to pray real quick. I'm not going to hold you here. Our prayer team's going to hang around, and our staff members who are free, they're going to hang around, and they'll pray for you after we dismiss the service. If you're sick or you got issues, you got problems, you want more prayer, more personal prayer, we'll have people up here to pray for you in a more personal way. But I want you to listen to what I'm about to say, and then, and then we'll pray. Can, can you do something for me? Can you do something for me as pastor? Can you make this, can you make this not about you? There are people that I try to talk to sometimes about their responsibility, and you can't even get a word in edgewise because they're telling you all they want you to do for them. Can you just break that? Can you allow the Holy Spirit to just break that in you? You say, well, I got a bunch of needs, man. You don't know what I'm going through. Hey, hey, we all got stuff. But here's the thing I'm telling you. When you, when you stop making it about you and you start making it about others, then that thing that you need so bad that you can't quit talking about it, that's when you're going to get deliverance. That's when you're going to get freedom. That's when that healing's going to come. That's when that job opportunity is going to come. You've got to stop making it about you.
I know what the world says. The world says, boy, you better look after number one. You better take care of yourself. Nobody else is taking care of you out there. So you better take care of yourself. Put yourself at the top of the list. I'm telling you right now, that is the opposite of what Jesus teaches. Jesus says, if you'll give it away, if you'll bless other people, I'll pour into you faster than you can give it away. Faster than you can give it away. I will pour blessing into your life faster than you can give it away. So what does that mean for you? You're being blessed. You're being blessed. It's the heart of Jesus. Father, thank you for this challenge you have put on our hearts, God. It's not Pastor Farrell putting the challenge on people's hearts. It's you putting it on all of us. You've put it on me. God, I want our teenagers. I want them to get fired up about this. I want them to get bold. I want our middle schoolers to get bold. I, even our little kids, God, even our little kids, I want them to understand the importance of telling people about the love of God. Father, when people start getting saved next Sunday, our whole new sermon series starts next, next Sunday. When people get saved, I want every person in here to go, that might be a guy I invited. I'm not sure. That might be a guy, that might be a gal where I hung the doorknob thing on their doorknob or I gave them a, a free cup of coffee with my Just Because card or I, or I left that invite card in the doctor's office. Who knows, that person who got saved Sunday, who gave their heart to Jesus Sunday, could be because of my card uh, of me obeying God. God, I want everybody to be able to say, I was involved in this. I was involved in this. I played a role. I played a part. Thank you, Father, for your, your challenge, and thank you for your calling. And thank you most of all that you said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. So when we go out there to do this, you are with us. You are with us. And we thank you so much for that. To God be the glory. And everybody said, amen. God bless you guys. I love you.